Are you a business owner, entrepreneur, or executive who's working hard at living a good story? What if you can start living a better one? Welcome to Living a Better Story, a podcast that goes deep and clears away the good so that you can be great. Hosted by Chad Burmeister and Rich Blakeman, we get you into alignment with your God-given purpose here on planet Earth. Don't settle. A better story is waiting for you to invest in yourself and living a better story. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. And today I'm with someone who's definitely living a better story. Thomas Noon is coming to us from Virginia. He's the CEO and founder of Catalyst Cohorts. He's also the president and founder of C-Level Services. C-Level works with, he works as a fractional CFO to help between six and eight companies actively in their uh, responsibilities, managing their business and financials. And he's also brought together a really cool group of CEOs in the area uh, called Catalyst Cohorts. These are CEO level founders and executives who want to share their books and talk about uh, not just the principles of business, but also on the foundation of biblical principles. So it's a pretty cool combination that you don't see every day. So Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we got to talking before we hit the record button and realized we better uh, push pause and, uh, and hit the record button because Thomas has a lot to share. So before we get in about your story, I like to kind of rewind the tape and go back. I've found that a lot of times our lives uh, and our passions are formed at a very young age, right? When you're a kid, is when you you don't have the blinders on of the world around you. So what you like then is probably what, who you really are as a person. So tell right. us about when you were super young, what are some of your first memories and passions that you had as a child? Um, well, you know, I grew up a long time ago, <laughs> number one. Um, and my parents were older uh, when they had me. Um, this was in 1949, and they in that era were unusual in that they had both been married before. Uh, my dad was divorced, and my mom uh, had lost her husband in a mining accident. So all of my siblings are half-siblings, and only one of which ever lived with me, and that was my brother, Jerry, who was eight years older. And, um, you know, by the, he didn't have much to do with me. <laughs> years different and I didn't get along with my, my dad and uh, by the time he was 17 he was out of the house and joined the army and so my early memory is um, you know my dad worked in a brick plant uh, my mom never worked a day in her life smoked and uh, never drove that was just the way it was then and we lived in a little house in the outskirts of uh, Charleston, West Virginia called Pocatalico. And um, I was lonely. You know, I was precocious. Um, today, we probably talked a little bit, you know, I was probably ADHD and I was too much for my parents to handle. So they just let me run and roam. And, um, you know, six or seven, you know, I'm just spending time in my room dreaming. You know, I had a, a little toy cannon and I learned how to shoot matchsticks at my little toy soldiers and figured all that out. And um, 
ran around in the woods um, with my colleague, um, King. Um, you know, I remember, you know, stepping, unfortunately, in uh, the snakes. So all the baby snakes running around. And, you know, this is out in West Virginia. So these are copperheads. Oh, yeah, I remember no. uh, my mom getting bit by a copperhead and ending up in the uh, emergency room. Um, so that was me growing up. You know, I didn't have close friends because they were, you know, far away. They were on the country. And I remember walking down this uh, dark, uh, forbidding gravel road to get to the bus to take me to school every morning and bring me back. Uh, that was me. You know, I was wow. like, I had a lot of time in my own head to think. And uh, I was always planning how to how to do things. And um, ultimately, that's me today. You know, I'm not your typical accountant. I went to Iowa State University as a chemistry major. And um, when I was a junior, I figured out I didn't want to sit in a chemistry lab. So I always walked by the business building. I stopped in and changed majors. And the first thing I could choose was accounting because it started with an A. So that was my career counseling. Um, first one in my family over to college. Um, and, you know, I had uh, at that point in time, um, got, got married and had a child. And therefore, I figured I'd better settle down and pay attention, got good grades, and uh, ultimately got a job in a big eight CPA firm. We talked about the DISC profile before we launched. And so I think walking down the dirt road, stepping in the copperhead pit and, you know, you being, even though you had a brother who, who, you know, he ended up, he was eight years older, I think you said. So that yeah. might explain how you, how you got to be the high D and high C, right. And the disc profile. Yeah. I'm going to figure out, you know, I'm very, a high D high C is, is uh, called a creative um, mindset. Um, so I'm always looking at the future and trying to figure out how to bring it to pass. Um, like I said before, you know, I always, I'm a high D, so I think I'm right. And I'm a high C, so I know I'm right. <laughs> I told my wife, I'm okay with being wrong. You just have to prove me wrong. Because once you prove me wrong, I'm just right again, right? <laughs> and, that's right. Um, so that's, you know, accounting was, was good for me because it was detail-oriented. And um, once I got into industry, that was good for me because it was strategic planning, um, trying to figure out where we wanted to go as a business, uh, setting up systems and processes and a way to reach that. Um, and that's kind of what I do with clients. And the nice thing is um, they're all in different industries. You know, I've been in um, public accounting. I've been in... Uh, retail, uh, been in very large businesses, enterprises, um, even as a part of a bigger uh, business. I've been in uh, small Christian-owned businesses and turnaround situations in publishing, in uh, investing. Um, I came to this area and worked for Pat Robertson and managed a private equity fund. So you know, I had an office in Beijing and Hanoi and Hong Kong, and I'm over in China and Beijing and Shanghai and you know, looking for businesses to invest in. 
Um, you know, I've started technology companies. And what, what did you learn about that, Thomas? Because I think a lot of people listening to the show, if they're early in their career, they might be like feeling like they're a fish out of water and saying, how, how did I get here? I don't know if I'm in alignment. And it's sometimes hard to figure out that alignment until you go through the motions and travel to Beijing and work for a small company and a big company. What, what, what did it take for you to discover where your perfect lane was? And then what would you recommend to other people of how they could figure out what the perfect lane for their life looks like? Um, well, I had a major life impact at 29. Um, you know, as I said, I was the first in my family to go to college. Um, but I, I'm very, very competitive. You know, I'm going to figure out the rules of the game. I'm going to practice it. And I'm going to win. You know, I always played baseball and softball. So I started a you know, commercial softball team. Um, as an accountant, <laughs> which is unusual. Um, and so I was, a, I, was a, I was a planner. So I was, uh, growing up, I was really good at being bad, right? Because I never got caught. Because I'm thinking through, you know, I can see into the future of all the things and all the options that go together to this act that I'm going to do, and I'm going to make sure that I don't get caught. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, the best kind of, the worst kind of person you can be is someone never gets caught for doing bad things. And, um, you know, I'm in public accounting. I've got, I'm married. I have two kids and I'm doing bad things. And I disgusted myself. And I basically got to a point in life where I said, nothing is working. You know, I'm a manager for a big eight CPA firm. I'm married, have two kids, and I'm just a bad guy. And I just quit. I quit everything. I quit my um, quit public accounting. I quit my family. And I said, I'm just going to have to start over. I don't know what to do. Uh, and so, you know, I'm interviewing for a job. And the guy I'm interviewing with, witnesses to me in an interview about Jesus Christ. And his boss brings in and he he's the president of the company and he witnesses to me. And you know, I go home and on my pad of paper, which would use everything is all handwriting then. <laughs> on the negative side, I put all that religious crap. But I took the job because it was a good job. And then I can remember looking at these two men in their day-to-day -day life. I've never seen that before. Does that make sense? Yep, 100%. I heard a very similar story here in Colorado recently. The, yeah. you know, said, same that, kind of concept. That, yeah. That must be it. I mean, but I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So I'm sitting there in this business and we're growing and it's active and a lot of stuff going on. And I'm just waiting for somebody to say, would you like to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? I don't know how. And in the meantime, you know, I've met a, a woman I knew from public accounting and um, I'm trying to convince her to marry me and we're going out, we're both broke. You know, we're trying everything. You know, I tried transcendental meditation. Um, we tried this and that and well, maybe churches. It. So we're going to all these different churches and, um, 
finally said, yeah, she'd marry. And so it was in our, in the church. We said, we want to get married. And they said, we well, just can't get married. But you have to go through premarital counseling. <laughs> this happened to be the lighthouse church in the area. I said, well, I'll do anything, you know. How do I win at this, you know? And uh, so in the first session, the pastor looked at uh, my wife of now 42 years and said, well, Kathy, you know, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And she said, yes. She'd just done it in the car uh, a couple weeks ago. She never told me about it yet. And he said, Tom, how about you? And I said, no. And he said, would you like to? It's about time somebody asked me. <laughs> <laughs> So I accepted Christ. Uh, we got married, and that just totally changed my whole paradigm. And, you know, um, Chad, nobody had to convince me that the Bible was in inerrant. It was true. I just knew it. Uh, the miracle in my life was I was one way, accepted Christ, and then I was a different way. That makes sense. Yeah, right. I mean, I re truly reborn, right? That's always kind of had a negative connotation, I think, at least for me as in my upbringing. But now that I understand it, it's like, oh, yeah, you come in as a worm and you leave as a butterfly. <laughs> it's you bet. You know, so that's the change. Yeah. And I was 29 years old. And um, then it just everything just started uh, exploding. You know, I started my first group of guys studying the Bible together, we couldn't do it in the business environment because it was, you know, owned by a bigger business. And so we had to go off site. Um, but that was the, that was the start. And, um, then it's just trying to, trying to analyze what God's telling you to do. You know? Well, let, let's go off topic a little, because we're going to go into the 201, 301 conversation now. Um, since you've done a lot of Bible studies through your life, you know, then and now, is there, is there any story in the Bible that just jumps out to you that says, man, this is the one that really, you know, changes my perspective on life. Is there something you've studied recently or one that sticks out for you? Um, well, that's a really good question. Um, but it's a 10 year journey. And, um, Again, remember, I'm very detail-oriented. So when I read my Bible, I'm not just reading the words. I'm asking the questions in my own head. What do these words mean? And I have a good memory. So, you know, I remember a lot of Bible verses. And so the Holy Spirit brings those back to my remembrance, right? And contextualizes it within the whole realm of uh, Genesis to Revelation. And um, I'm driving to church about 12 years ago. And this verse that I'd memorized as a navigator in the 2-7 program 40 years ago, 30 years at that point, you know, earlier, First uh, Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. I'd always, you know, I'm, I don't just memorize, I'm thinking, you can't do that. How do you pray without ceasing? And I'm writing to church uh, to a meeting, you know, an elder meeting or something, and, and the Holy Spirit um, says, you big dummy. <laughs> and 
I know that's the Holy Spirit because he knows me so well. Don't memorize scriptures out of context. Hmm. So, you know, 516, you know, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It says, I am talking to you all the time. You just have the radio turn the wrong channel. Man, just wow. Talking to you, right? Mm. You have the ability, the option of listening to me and letting, you know, these are the sons of God, those that are what? Led by the Spirit of God. I'll lead you. You just have to listen, mm. right? I mean, I'm but tearing like, up a little because in February, my son is 19 and he got into a burn fire, uh, at his apartment and, you know, he was cooking on a hello fresh meal and he puts the, the breadcrumbs in the pan and it caught fire and he did oh, what right. you or I would have done and put it under water. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's not the right thing to do. So it blew up in his face. It, oh, you know, man. turned everything black, including his face and hands, second, third degree burns. And when you, you know, the meaning pray without ceasing the night before the surgery, my mother prayed all night and she's very, she's a very religious person. She got it from my grandfather, passed it to us. And, you know, I'm sure I was the one that strayed the most and came back to the fold, but you know, every sheep has to sh stray a little bit from time to time. And I certainly did. But I prayed, my, my mom prayed, and we actually were able to get tens of thousands of people praying because awesome. I posted this through LinkedIn. Uh -huh. And so that when you, it's just amazing to me that when I asked you of any possible verse you could pull, it's that one. <laughs> of course it is. I always like that. Yeah. It just, I can't it tell just, you how many times I just happened to be reading a verse and then something that day was relevant, right? I could have been re reading anything. Yeah. And um, so that was, that's for me, that was kind of a start. I mean, I've heard the Holy Spirit talk to me before. Okay. And it's not, a, I don't know how to explain it. It's not just, a, it's not a voice. It's all, I just know what he's saying to me. Um, back in several years before that, I was, uh, I had a, when I was first job out of public accounting, I'm in this new environment, I'm a new Christian. And um, I'm 29 years old, and my assistant controller is 42 years old. His name is Don Schnepper, German, bad temper. He'd blow up at people. And I would say, Don, you can't blow up at people here. You know, can't do that. And ultimately, he did it again and then again, you know. And I'm walking in to terminate him. And I sit down. And before I can say a word to him, the Holy Spirit says, tell him about the parable of the story of the sea. I'm arguing at that point in my head with the Holy Spirit. No, I'm here to fire him. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, you're here to tell him about the parable of the sower of the sea. I said, okay, Don, let me tell you about the parable of the sower of the sea. So I told him, and then the Holy Spirit say, ask him what kind of soil it is. I'm still arguing. No, you don't understand. I have to terminate him. Ask him what kind of soil he is. So this, I'm this 29-year-old 
kid, this 42-year-old man who's got a bad temper, I'm sitting there, I'm asking him, well, what kind of soil are you? He starts crying, accepts Christ. Don't mind. Stays there another couple of years, then he moves to Florida to take care of his mom. So, you know, that doesn't happen to me. All, it's just infrequent. So this was the next thing for me. And um, then I'm reading in Revelation, and it's a Revelation, uh, where it's the, the marriage supper of the bride. It says, you know, and the bride has made herself ready. How's the, you know, yeah, so what does that I'm, mean? <laughs> how does the bride make herself ready? Okay. I didn't hear a voice. <laughs> now I'm on my own. Okay. That started this, you know, 10, 12 year journey of how does, how does, how do we, we, you, me, you know, the ecclesia, how do we make ourselves ready? And, um, the, best I could figure out was Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a testimony. And then the end will come. And, you know, then I'm in uh, 2 Peter 3. And this was, this was the shockwave. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12. And 2 Peter 3 is talking about the end times and Jesus Christ coming back. And then it says, and because this is going to happen, this day is going to come. What kind of people ought we to be looking for wait for it and hastening that day the bride has made herself ready we're not supposed to just be looking for matthew 24 we're supposed to be hastening so we're in this divine human cooperative i mean god is sovereign he can do anything he wants to okay but he's chosen this divine human cooperative, that we're going to be involved in that process. And I don't think the day's been set because we haven't done our job. Mm. Is it going to be uh, 2,600? Or is there going to be some, some way sooner because we figure out how to add something from outside of the closed system in order to accelerate that gospel getting to every person in the world does that make sense yeah wow so here's something so here's something i know because remember i'm detail oriented i'm always looking at all these things i know there's more smartphones in the world than there are people right you're doing this you're doing these technology things in order to accelerate the gospel getting out and I know that, um, that Elon Musk has uh, another business called SpaceX, where his plan is in the next five years, he's going to put up low-flying satellites so that there'll be a ring around the world where um, broadband Wi-Fi will cover every square inch of the globe. You'd be out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and have 5G. Probably 4G. Yeah. And then yeah. Google has a project called Loon to compete with that with high-flying balloons. 
Um, but that signal is going to be everywhere. So that was the genesis of Journey Store. Okay. So uh, we're creating a, a, a technology that we're calling Glory Maps. So that the issue is translation. Okay. The reason that the gospel is slowing is that we took this concept called people groups. Okay. It's a great concept for a while, but that Greek is more often translated Gentiles. If you read Second uh, Peter 3, God's heart's for every person. It's not for groups of people. It's for every person. You know, I've never shared, well, I have shared the gospel with a group and got myself in trouble with the company because I asked everybody to put their head down and and uh, raise your hand if you want to accept Christ. Uh, my HR manager was in, just shook his head. You know, what can you say? It's Jewish. But, <laughs> but it's one-on-one, -on -one, right? You're sharing your story. You're, you're sharing your testimony. In Revelation uh, 12, 11, we overcome the enemy because of the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and we don't love our life even today. So that's why we're dangerous is we don't love our life even to death and we're willing to share our stories. So glory maps will um, notice where everybody who holds that smartphone is. And if you have the Journey Story app, all of the stories about finding and following Jesus from that area will come up. So you don't have to, I mean, my aha was when my two-year-old grandson was, was using the smartphone. And you know what? He doesn't read. <laughs> he just knows how to use the smartphone. He knows how to push buttons and find stuff, right? So uh, Journey Story will allow stories to be found and they will have geo uh, positioning for the stories, but also for data. So as a user, you'll be able to see all of the data of people who have accessed your stories and all of the subsequent data of people who accessed your stories and invited other people and who accepted Christ and invited other people. All of those layers will show your impact. And on the map, you'll see these lights around the world of people who you caused to be on yeah. Wow. That, that, yeah, that's deep. I mean, it talked about gamification. That's, yeah. so here's that's the other it. Thing I recognize Chad, because I'm in an area, I used to work for Pat Robertson. Okay. This isn't, this is a hotbed of business's mission. So I recognize I'm probably two, maybe three relationships from the head of every mission organization in the world. I know somebody that knows somebody that knows that, you know, the head of Campus Crusader, the head of Navigators or, you know, whatever mission. So we will give Journey Story to every mission organization, every church, every nonprofit, give to them free. And then they will be able to set themselves up as a partner and have people who they give the app to choose them as a partner. So that glory map will accumulate all of the information that they cost. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. 
you could be showing, you know, um, you know, we've, we've paid for funding of, of translating a Jesus film in a couple of different languages in India. You could be in a Jesus film in India and you have somebody accepts Christ and say, well, here, just tell us what just happened on this app. Then why don't you share it with your family? And that family will maybe know somebody else that's in a different country, or maybe you know they've got friends that have gone to Saudi Arabia and worked in, you know, for some Saudi prince and got stuck or whatever. Um, so that's journey story. And then we figured, well, journey story will have some layers. You know, we're going to have an incognito version of journey story because there's some places in the world where the government knew you were doing this, you'd be dead. Yeah, so we'll have to have an incognito. But the other thing is, people need the Bible. And my prejudice is the Bible will never be translated into every language. It's just too expensive. It's going to take a long time. It's just a, it's, as hard as it is to translate the Jesus film. It's a multiple of that to translate the whole Bible. So we're doing a, an app called Jesus 24-7. We're, we're going to animate Bible verses, not Bible stories, Bible verses. There are 33,000 Bible verses. Mm. I hope Jesus comes back before we have to animated all 33,000 wow. by I mean I that would be a real interesting feed because I was thinking a future upgrade in the 77 pray app instead of just a random paragraph where you read it the animated version coming in through an API would be very cool our brains are built for you know what video yeah yeah our brains are built for visual okay that's why about 80% of all activity on the internet today is, is video. And so, you know, we learn both by um, seeing, also text, also touching, you know, different people have different ways of, of learning. And um, so, you know, Jesus 24 seven will be linked up with, with uh, journey story and um, you know, they'll have access to Bible verses about finding and following Jesus. Tell um, me, I love what you're, what you're talking about, because it sounds like you and me have both been pulled on this journey. And when you hand the keys over to some, to a different driver, it's pretty wild where the car takes you. Um, what do you think? It, it's interesting. I mean, what do you think's driving you to to do this, you know, if you really were to go inside and think, what what is it that caused you to want to do these two apps? Um, I think God made me to do it. You know, um, Elijah was uh, out in some wilderness in a cave, crying to himself that he's all by himself. What God say to him? You're an idiot, basically. I have all these people. You know, you're just one of hundreds, right? 
I understand because I was uh, one of the founders of a local Christian chamber of commerce. We did it as a group, okay? And it was successful because it was a group of people doing it. Then we met other people with Christian chambers of commerce around the country and God had told somebody to do this and they thought, well, this is mine. I have to do it. I have to do it, okay? That was the difference. We didn't think it was, I have to do it. We thought we're part of a group that's going to do this. You know, one of my um, parts in life was um, a partner and I started early on, we disrupted um, the med spy industry and created a franchise. When we started, um, Laser hair removal was done by, in, as a medical practice, medical procedure done by derms and plastics. And as we learned how to do it as a, and, and follow the med rules as business guys. And then we created a franchise and did it all around the country. And it just exploded um, and shortly sold it. Um, but, I think what happens is me seeing you on LinkedIn and, and us, you know, connecting and then you doing this, that's not, that's a part of God's voice. Okay, in, in, in John 10, it says, the sheep hear my voice and they what? They know my voice. Mm -hmm. okay yes so we know his voice is coming to us and us in different ways you know one of the main ways is the bible that gives us the foundation so that if anything comes at us that's different than that we know it's false right this is true and so i'll have something that i say on my thursday morning or my tuesday morning bible studies and it'll be God's voice coming through me to one of the other people in the in the group or from them to me. Um, I was leaving breakfast with a friend of mine and I said, you know, I just said, Joe, Joe, I think you ought to meet Jim. And I looked over and I said, and he's just walking down the street right there. I didn't know he was going to, I'm just going to look over there and Jim was going to be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God put it on my heart to say you need to meet Jim and, and, and here there he was. Yeah, that's amazing. I was in Beijing on business and they said you should meet XYZ. So we called and XYZ was out of country. So then I go from Beijing to Hong Kong to Hanoi. So I'm sitting in breakfast in Hanoi and somebody says, I think you gotta there's somebody over at this other table that I think you ought to meet. It was the guy from Beijing. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that's God's voice. Right? Well, it's interesting because I've been in artificial intelligence for salespeople now for the last two to three years. And it's right at the tip of the spear, right? It's still a very unknown area. What, right. what comes up at the conferences I've been to or the events I do or on one-on-one -on -one calls is the ethical side of AI, because someone programs the bot to make a decision. Yeah. 
And what worries me is that you see half the people in the world now look at the world from their own set of human eyes, making human-based ethical decisions. And that could be 360 answers for one answer, where God's truth is the truth. And so getting to a point, you know, if we're going to be that heavily reliant upon AI in Amazon and Google Cloud and everything that we do, then there needs to be a new position called the chief ethics officer that oversees all of that. And, and that's where I, I just keep seeing a lot of people get in, get back into their Christian roots because I think they see where the world's headed and, and it's, you know, and how, how do you, how do you address that deep question? (laughs) So one of the things early on um, at the start of this 10 year time period, um, you know, I'm going into Barnes and Noble and um, I'm looking at books in the business section and I'm looking at the books in the religious section. And in the business section, I see this book that's facing me and it's called Marketplace Christianity. And I looked at that and I said, what good could that be in the business section? Okay. I thought, well, you know, I'm a speed reader, so I just kind of took it and I kind of sped through, read through what was in it. And I thought, well, this is pretty good. So I went and took it. And it's real good. And um, my pastor said, well, why don't you teach a Sunday school on this? This is, you know, Christian principles in running a business. I said, fine. You know, so I D high C. You know, it takes me typically, it used to take me, about an hour per minute, I'm going to talk to prepare. Because I didn't want anything to come up that I didn't know the answer to, right? <laughs> you know me now, so you know. And um, so I'm going in, you know, my you know, 10 minutes before the first uh, Sunday school, sit on the corner, and I'm ready. I got 12 weeks to prep, all 12 weeks laid out, just waiting for people to start coming in. And had this strange thing happen to me. Had this download. And it's just stuff I had prepared. And so I get up and start talking, and I'm still getting the download. I had 12 different weeks of stuff just to tell them. And um, basis of it was uh, called Ample, Occupy My Promised Land. And it was, you know, we're in a, we're in a war. And, you know, in, in the New Testament, it says this example of Israel being in Egypt and coming out and coming into the promised land is an example for us to learn from. And if you look at Joshua, says you're going to go and occupy your promised land and your promised land is going to be every place your footsteps Hmm. so what god was telling me is this is a territorial battle your promised land is now every place your footsteps so you know when i'm in 
that Bible study, that's my promise. When I go out to eat, I look at that restaurant. That's my promise. Mm. I am occupying the space. Yeah, that's a great mindset flip. When the world's going south, you go north. (laughs) When the waitress comes and she says, hi, my name is June. I'm here to serve you. I say, basically, I look at June and say, hey, June. We're going to bless this food before we eat. What is there that I can pray about that would bless you? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know how many times I've had someone say nothing? Zero. I was early to a meeting and stopped at a like a breakfast place and went in and sat down and this, uh, this uh, waitress came and she was just in a bad mood. And you know, I could tell, oh, no. And I said, what's your name? She said, oh, you know, whatever, I don't remember. What I said, well, you know, I'm going to bless this food. So is there anything I can pray for you about that would be a blessing? She started crying. Now, I don't know if that had any impact on her long term, but I occupied that territory. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. Hey, I tell you what, we should continue this dialogue because I think we have just started to explore the, the grounds here and we're running out of time. So um, I think we put this on pause and put it on ice and, and regroup on another day because I think part two is going to be equally as powerful as part one. Uh, this is just a fabulous dialogue. Thanks, Chad. Um, just um, you know, email me. We can set up a time and figure out what works for you. Excellent. All right, everybody. We've been talking with Thomas Noon. Uh, amazing, amazing conversation. It, it makes me realize the understanding and, and remembering verses in the Bible. I was brought up Christian. I read the verses. I can't restate, hey, verse Genesis 7-7 talks about Noah and his family going into the ark. I, I think there's very much power in being able to understand exactly what it says. So uh, I've, I've got some huge takeaways from this conversation today. I appreciate you sharing your story with, with everybody. And I look forward to bringing up on a part two to be continued. I'll tell you about PCMD on the next session. PCMD. That's the setup for part two. We'll catch you on the next Living Better Story podcast. For now, signing out. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.